0: I have to say when, when I did find you guys and find the Academy, it was, it was really a make or break moment. I was giving myself a month. <laughs> I was going to give myself a month to try and figure out, you know, if I could stay in this marriage because it was that bad. I wasn't sure if I could keep doing this on so many different levels because of the conflict and the stress. and It was like one of those moments where you're up at night, you know, Googling at like three in the morning, how am I going to save my marriage? How am I going to make this work with stepkids? And I found you guys and it was, it was huge. And I'm very, very grateful for all that you do and your, it's, it's been a huge game changer for my marriage and my family.
1: You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy step family coaching team, Lori and David Sims.
2: Welcome to today's show.
1: Welcome, welcome, all you peoples!
3: Woo!
2: This is the David Podcast.
3: This is not the David <laughs> Podcast. This is the Nacho Kids Podcast. They know that from the name they picked the podcast.
2: Well, I just thought it's funny that you tried to get me to create my own podcast. A couple, I don't, of- think,
3: I don't think I need to try to get you to create anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think it's already in your mind. David no. is right.
2: Yeah, well, that's true, but I'm not going to do my own podcast. You keep me busy enough.
3: All right, David, tell these wonderful people about the contest. The
2: contest is we are trying to get as many reviews and ratings on the podcast as we can possibly get because it does move it up the ladder and helps people to find it when they're looking for family help. So if you want to know more about it, and there are some prizes so if you want to know more about it, how to do it, how to get put into the drawing, go to NachoKids.com slash review. Again,
3: nachokids.com slash review. All the details are there. Yes. And we have some dum Big news for the nachos. What's the big news? I and maybe you <laughs> are going to drum or please. <laughs> Austin, Texas. Potentially. Potentially what? Where I'm going. You're going.
2: <laughs> So, what are you going to be doing in Austin?
3: I am going to be speaking at a Step Moms Alive conference.
2: And that's going to be when?
3: January the 17th through the 19th.
2: So, for three days, there's a three-day conference for step families.
3: I don't know. I had to go back and look at the itinerary. (laughs) I mean, I think
2: that's pretty cool because a lot of these conferences people go to, it's, you know, half a day or maybe a full day or something like that. No, I think
3: it's... Maybe, and don't quote me on this. I'll have more details later, but I think the Friday night is more kind of like a little meet and greet thing, mm-hmm. and then um, maybe Saturday, all day's conference, and then half a day Sunday.
2: Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a day and a half, because Friday's probably, like you said, it's a meet and greet, and that still was pretty cool. That's really yeah. cool, especially yeah. that it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
3: I think more people would be able to attend that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of conferences I go to are in the week, and, and they always... It's always a little more aggravating because you have to fight with scheduling and all that a lot more.
3: That's true. Well,
2: that's cool. I hope I get to make it. I want to see you talk.
3: <laughs> well, well we, no, see that. Okay, wait a minute. I need to rethink this. Okay, if you go with me, you cannot be there when I talk unless you are beside me. And I don't think they're well, going to they let that be there. Well, then I'd be like a ventriloquist. Would you? Would you I could put
2: my hand behind you <laughs> and I can like.
3: <laughs> they can't see you, David.
2: Okay. If you could see me right now, I have my hand up in
3: <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, anyway, I need to rethink this, folks, because uh, I don't do well on uh, stage, oh, basically. You'll do fine. And I surely don't need David in the group making faces or whatever because that's just not going to work. So, let me work on that. <laughs> you might have to be banned from the conference during the time that I speak or speak with me. Or something, not sure Speak
2: with you, you I mean sit behind you No, you don't want me behind you Just you.
3: sit beside me in case I need you to say
2: something <laughs> You just want me to go, that's right, that's right That's right, yeah <laughs> I can do that
3: Let me hit you every once in a while There you go, that's what I need oh, you for yeah.
2: Your signature move
3: The thud <laughs> That's right, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up I may want to rethink you going Crap, and I already asked baby daddy to switch weekends with me Mm-hmm mm. Okay all right. Speaking of which, it's the first time that I'm going to be asking him to switch weekends yep. because I don't like doing that. It's not good.
2: No. But you had asked me to watch your son, right? Yes. So that you could go. Yes. Which brings up a good point because we had, we had a conversation about this recently with another step parent about step parents asking or assuming that the other person will you know help watch the the kid.
3: I know. I'm always going to ask you if you'll watch him, even though he's really old enough to watch himself and he can stay here by himself, but you're going to be here. He's going to be here and I'm not. So I'm going to ask you if you mind watching him. Mm -hmm. He's not your kid. I shouldn't expect you to watch him. Amen. Amen. What if I said no? Then he'd have to go with me or I'd have to cancel my plans. It's that simple. You would be mad at me? I might not be happy (laughs) if I'd already (laughs) made plans, but really, well, let me back up. I wouldn't have made plans without asking you first. That's true. Yeah. So backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> you ask before you make the plans.
2: Right. So what's the what's the best way to handle that? Because I think we we see a lot of times at least I don't know, I'd say a lot more than half of the people that have these types of discussions, it seems that the the men tend to assume
3: that the woman's going to watch
2: the kids. They don't really ask. Because mm-hmm.
3: um, that's what a mama would do.
2: Right. But, uh, you know, I see kind of the women are the other way around. They either never ask because they don't want to put the kid off on somebody. So they just because don't.
3: Because the kid is their responsibility. Right. So
2: they just don't do anything. Or uh, or they make sure they absolutely ask if, you know, they need the help of somebody like a,
3: else. Like a last resort. Right. Thing.
2: Right. So they'll either avoid having to ask by just not doing anything or they will absolutely ask. So
3: I think that's because of the traditional mother and father roles. Usually the mother was at home cooking and a cleaning and a scrubbing and a baking. <laughs> 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 and the father was out working and a drinking and a smoking and a,
2: Oh my goodness. Whatever. And lost your mind.
3: So the woman, her responsibility was the kids. I mean, <laughs> Seriously. But even if I'm going to the store, grocery store, Mm -hmm. I'll say, hey, I'm going to the store. Can you watch Jackson? I don't think about not asking. Right. Whereas a lot of these men will just take off and be like, okay, I'm going hunting or fishing with Big Johnny over here. And (laughs) I'll be back on Sunday afternoon, an hour before I got to drop my kid off. Yeah. And then get mad when the stepmama says, no, I'm not watching your kid.
2: Yeah, because I think that they believe that, look, you married me. You, you, we're a package deal, and you gotta, you gotta do all this stuff, which is completely
3: absurd. It is absurd. I'm so glad you're not one of those absurd ones in that way, David.
2: Uh, no, I'm glad you said not in that way. I know. I'm just absurd in other ways.
3: Very absurd in other ways. <laughs> all right. So if you're a bio parent, do not just assume that the step parent is going to watch your youngin.
2: Well, let's back up because you know I don't like this term. I don't like the term step parent. I know. I don't like the term stepmom. I know because it it indicates that they're they're they have motherly role. duties. They have motherly duties and they have parental duties and they responsibilities. don't responsibilities. Okay, responsibilities.
3: You must step up as this child's parent, David. But
2: I, I completely disagree with that because that's what causes so many problems. It's not really that the person, um. It's not that the person shouldn't do things to help out in the house and uh, and all that kind of stuff, but it's it's not their responsibility. If they choose to do that, then that's great. But I think even the title, stepmom or stepparent, uh, causes problems because uh, it just indicates that you should be doing things and taking on certain roles that, that is not uh, in your wheelhouse.
3: Right. I think that the term that better fits it is my dad's wife. Or my dad's angelic wife. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or my dad's hot wife. No, that just sounds horrible. <laughs>
2: yeah, this won't go down that fast.
3: Yeah. Don't say that. That one might be bad.
2: Yeah, But anyway, I got on a tangent. But no, if if you're the bio parent, you, you've you got to leave your kid in the care of the other, whatever. I have to say step-parent because if I don't. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but... <laughs> Anyway, you're gonna leave your kid into the care of somebody else. You should probably ask them. If it guess what, if it weren't the step parent, if it were somebody else, maybe a roommate, would you just take off and go mm-hmm. and assume that your roommate is gonna watch them? No. no, you wouldn't do that.
3: Were you landlord?
2: Right, you wouldn't do it to anybody else. So, don't, Mr. Roper. So don't do it to your your new husband and new wife or new boyfriend or I don't know. Whatever. Well,
3: here, <laughs> l- let me put a spin on this. If you expect something, you are not appreciative of it. If you ask someone for help, you are appreciative of it. Okay. You don't agree? I can go with that. No, I can go with that. You better go with that because it's true. <laughs> Especially a lot of women don't want to ask for help. So it's no, I can't go because I don't want to ask Big David to watch Little Johnny.
2: That's true. But either way, you yeah, know, Be respectful of the person that you're with. Don't just throw off your responsibilities on them and don't just assume they're going to take them somewhere, the kids somewhere or pick them up from somewhere or, you know, go to some game with them or I mean, all this stuff. Don't expect any of it. I never did. I never expected any of it.
3: And I still don't expect any of it. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I ask everything a lot. Maybe.
2: Yeah, you do. But I will get looked at sideways if I'm like, no, I'm not going to his whatever.
3: Yeah, you'll say, no, I'm going to not you. <laughs> no, you're not. And yes, people, I will take hate mail over that. There is a difference in the bond that was created between my son and she, his stepdaddy. She
2: knows I'm doing it to pick on her. That's why. Yes. It's not it, It's not that it causes me stress or whatever. It's just because I'm picking.
3: Well, let's remember There was a time that you could not leave your kids with me Mm -hmm. because it wasn't going to happen. It was not a safe environment for any of us to be left alone.
2: No, because then I had to figure out who was lying when I got home. Because it was Mm -hmm. like all of y'all lived in a different universe, and I'd come in and I'd hear all this stuff about who did what. And I'm like, there's no way that all these people could have so many stories so different.
3: Yeah, even (laughs) even your four kids couldn't get their story straight. (laughs) No, no. It was like wow. That should have been a sign. I
2: was like, I can't leave y'all to anyway.
3: <laughs> so, people, if you leaving, if your significant other leaving their kids with you when it's not absolutely necessary, gripes your butt. Then tell them no. That they need to make other arrangements for their child because it's not your responsibility. You can sugarcoat it if you need to.
2: And you probably should find a tactful way to say it.
3: David, can you give them some advice on a tactful way to say that? Because, uh, you know, I lack in that department sometimes.
2: <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to give that out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe at the end of the podcast you will?
2: Maybe. I don't know. If we remember by the end? Because I want to go ahead and get into today's episode in the interview. So I don't want to.
3: I know, but we need to tell people how to tactfully All do right. that. I right,
2: guess you have to stay till the end.
3: Or either I had to figure it out real fast myself and tell y'all. <laughs> <All> <laughs> okay, I right. I I already got it. I'll get it ready in case he don't he don't stand up to the plate here in the bit. Right. Okay. Today we are talking to today we are talking to Patty.
2: Okay. What does Patty do? Is she kin to
3: Peppermint? She's not kin to Peppermint. <laughs> she has been married four years. Okay. She has two bio kids that have no relationship with their biodad. Mm-hmm. And a stepdaughter. One.
2: How old the stepdaughter?
3: 11. Mm. Now, recently, up until recently, they had summer visitation with the stepdaughter because they live far away from her. But now they have 50 50 because they relocated into not the same state, not the same county, but the same small town. As high-conflict bio-mom and stepdaughter, So yeah. when she goes to little Piggly Wiggly, Piggly Wiggly, she could run into stepmom. I mean, bio-mama. Step-mama could run into bio-mama at the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. That's challenging. Very challenging. So let's talk to her, discuss right. some of her challenges, and how nachoing has helped her.
2: Okay. Well, I'll let you take care of it. Take care of what? The interview.
3: Oh, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right.
1: All right.
2: All right. Before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor.
1: There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com.
3: Okay, today we would like to welcome Patty to the Nacho Kids podcast. How are you doing today, Patty?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
3: Doing well. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: All right. Well, I have um, been married for almost four years. I have two teenagers that are my bio kids and I have them full time. They do not have a relationship with their bio dad and haven't for over 10 years. And my husband has a daughter. So, my stepdaughter is 11, and we have had her on a visitation schedule, an out of state visitation schedule, up until recently. And we have now moved into my husband's hometown where his daughter lives. And now we are juggling the balance of 50 50 with her and blending all of that together going from our summertime visitation schedule to this. So it's been very, very interesting.
3: It's challenging, isn't it?
0: It is very, very challenging. We have, um, you know, with our with our situation before being out of state, it was for the most part, low drama. Um, we do have a very high conflict bio mom that we're dealing with. So being out of state has been nice in that regard. But now that we have moved into the, into her hometown which is a very very small town it has definitely (laughs) presented all sorts of challenges because we are together at functions at the grocery store everywhere it's all just condensed into a very small place so it's been very different trying to get used to all of that and very tough to navigate it has definitely affected our dynamics as a whole because now we have our 50 50. I work from home. And so I am the one that's primarily here and caring for her. And my husband works longer hours. So I really am the one that has been put into a situation where I've had to learn how to navigate the waters of taking responsibility for what I need to take responsibility for and shifting the other stuff onto him. And that has been really difficult.
3: You're the primary caregiver. Correct. Correct. Let me ask you this. When he goes out of town, does he still communicate with them or with her?
0: Um, With his daughter when he leaves? Yes. Um, He does. He does, uh, you know, a little bit. A lot of it or was, I guess, not so much anymore, but a lot of it was going through me. So that's been really difficult. And his hours are such that when he um, when he's working, he is not able to. He doesn't have service when he goes into some of his um, different areas that he works within. So we will go eight to 10 hours without any ability to, con- to contact him. So that has okay. definitely brought a whole nother <laughs> sort of challenge to how to navigate the waters between what his daughter needs, what the activities are doing, and the interaction with um, her mother has been very, very interesting.
3: And I guess living in a um, small town, it's like she's all up in your face.
0: Very much so. (laughs) Yes. When we, you know, when we first moved here, we've been here for about five months now. Um, But when we first got here, up until recently, up until I started applying some of these principles, um, we were having her come by constantly to our house, dropping stuff off, checking in on things unannounced. And so literally there was no break, even when, even when we didn't have her, they were picking up, she was picking up stuff. And so I couldn't get any time to myself, it felt like, and even if I went to go to the grocery store, it's like the odds of running into her were so high. It's like, there's nowhere to go. So it has been really...
3: (laughs) Go to a grocery store, 75 miles away.
0: I know. I'm like, I could drive to Target, which is like an hour away, but... Sometimes that's not an option. I just want to go get a coffee by myself. So it's been really interesting just to navigate that. And too, with it being such a small town, our kids, the high school is combined with the middle school. She's in middle school and I have two high schoolers. And so that's all together and very small. So all of the, you know, like parent meetings and different activities, they're all right there together. So there's constantly interaction and running into her. And so that has been just, It's been tough. It's been a tough juggle for sure.
3: Did your husband and you relocate specifically
0: for him to be closer to his children? We did not. Um, It just so happened that his company got a contract with um, a government project that is taking place here in his hometown. And so because he's from here and he knew the area and his work within the field here, he was their perfect fit. So it worked out really well because it is, it's nice, you know, to be able to, for him to be able to be with her and have that interaction that she so very much needs as does he, but it was not a relocation because of that. It was strictly based on just where they needed him to go. And how far
3: away does the bio mom live? I think it's about three and a half
0: minutes <laughs> down the street and over to the left.
3: <laughs> okay uh question for you Yeah. just out of curiosity if she's three and a half minutes down the road um when dad's not there could the daughter not go stay with her
0: you know it's been um a little bit of a juggle there she could she, her mother is working nights currently and so one of the reasons that we have her on some of the days that we have her is because of that schedule But she does not want her to be coming over. She wants her to have a consistent schedule. And so my husband has also been in fear, which is another big issue that we've had, because he is in fear that if he doesn't take her through those hours, that she will not allow him to have the custody that he wants. And so he doesn't want to jeopardize that. And so that's been an area that we are working on.
3: It's really sad um, when you go through the court systems and all that, because you do become fearful of simple actions.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, especially as a father, I, I've learned through him, there, there just is a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear. And I, I feel that he has a lot of guilt from being out of state for the last four years. And so a lot of that that guilty fear navigates his decisions, and it makes him terrified, really, to to hold his ground. But that's all changing. <laughs> we are working on that. That is a work in progress,
3: and it takes time. It, it does take time because he's got to um, he's got to rebuild his place in their life again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's been it's been really interesting too for my kids because they're so used to our schedule before, which was summer. We had her all summer, and then we alternated the holidays and to then be thrown in the mix too of having their stepsister here, you know, 50 has been really interesting as well, just kind of navigating for them. Where do they fit? How do they fit into this? What's the schedule? And she's, you know, younger than him. My my sons are fifteen and seventeen. So they're they're older and more independent. And so trying to shift the dynamics to Having to be supportive and watching how that pans out has been a big, a big adjustment for everybody.
3: Oh, definitely. Definitely. One thing I will um, suggest to you is, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. Did y'all pick with each other and fight a lot?
0: Constantly. (laughs) Quite a bit
3: remember that when your daughter and his kids start doing that, because that really is a fine line between bonding and what many people consider bullying.
0: Yes. I love that.
3: Yes. It's true. Some of my best memories are me and my sister fighting.
0: (laughs) I know. You know, it's funny. I spent some time with my sister and brother this week. I went back home to see my mom And my sister flew in, we were all together and still at our ages, we bickered and we talked about things, but it's great memories. And we talked about our childhood fights and it builds a lot of character. And I think it's part of growing up. That's a great, great thing to remember. You know, it's important for them to do that. It's been tough too, I think for all of us, because navigating the fact that my husband also wants his daughter to be comfortable he gets really nervous when the kids start bickering and start fighting, and so it's it's a good reminder. I need to remember that and remind him of that because they are going to fight. Siblings fight. That's what they do, and it's okay. It doesn't have to be bubble wrap.
3: <laughs> yeah, and if if you constantly pull them apart, they'll they'll always be afraid to be together because they'll get fussed at if they fight.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't make it. you're absolutely right, because it doesn't make them uncomfortable to even do anything together because they don't want to get disciplined for for fighting. They don't they feel like they can't really be themselves and do the normal things that normal families engage in. So absolutely. Right. And with her being so young, she may
3: never really bond with them, but you never know. They might take on the um, she's our sister role in the future.
0: Right. I hope so. I, 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 hope that they, they can bond a little bit more and, and have that relationship, you know, they're working towards it. It's, it's definitely a work in progress. And it's also important for me too, I think, to check my expectations of things, which I've learned so much through the Academy is, you know, having proper expectations of so that. I don't get let down all the time. And so I think learning to make sure and check in that my expectations of their relationship and what's going on is appropriate and realistic is super important and helpful.
3: It is. And I've started saying, instead of lowering your expectations, just don't have any. Right. Yeah. And some people say, well, you have to have expectations. But think about this if you don't have any expectations, You don't set yourself up for disappointment. You don't um, fuss at people as much or complain about them as much. But also, who are we to set expectations on other people?
0: Right, right. And then if good things do happen, then we can be pleasantly surprised, right?
3: (laughs) Right, right. And I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't expect your child to not brush his teeth if he doesn't want to or anything like that. I mean, just logically. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that it's, it's so true because we do, we, we set ourselves up for failure when we have these grand high expectations. And most of the time, our expectations never in real life ever work out the way that we expect them to anyway. So why not eliminate all that hurt and stress and just, let it be. I think that's so important.
3: Yeah, I was talking to a lady the other day and I reminded her that she needs to live in the moment. A lot of times with the stepkid issues, when they're getting ready to come over, everybody stresses out four days before. Well, you're wore out by the time they come worrying about them coming. And <laughs> right. you can't you you can't keep anticipating the bad that's gonna happen because the stepkids there. Because you're not um, allowing good things to happen.
0: Right, right. Yeah, all that wasted energy on the before. It is. You can't control it anyway.
3: (laughs) Right. You You have no control over it. But I'm telling you, it was so empowering to me to realize that my control was whether I responded to people or not, whether I engaged in conversation or not, whether... I interjected myself in conversation. I had control of all that. And, you know, it's kind of entertaining sometimes to sit there and just think to yourself, eh, I'm just not even going to (laughs) bother.
0: It really is. (laughs) You know, when I, so a couple weeks, maybe it's probably been, maybe it's been about a month when I really started applying the principles, which is funny because I know these things, especially in my field that I work in. A lot of these things are things that I know. But when you're in the moment of the chaos and all the stuff that's going on, it's really hard to remember how to do things, what to apply. And you get just swooped into this chaotic storm. And when I started applying the principles and really, honestly, like letting go of control, because oh, I, I like to have control. <laughs> I realized that I was a big factor in the chaos because I was wanting to interject myself into things and wanting to be part of the conversation and wanting to have my voice heard. And when I stepped back and really nachoed and let it go, I cannot believe like the instant change that started to take place. When I stepped back, dropped my expectations and, and let things be and let my husband deal with it. I really was at a breaking point where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) I don't know if I can keep, keep on keeping on because this is not working. It was stressing me out. I wasn't sleeping. It was causing complete chaos and starting to Mm -hmm. cause breakdown in my kids. And, you know, when I stepped back, it's been really fascinating to see how different it is because I, I put it all back on him lovingly, of course, like I didn't just, you know, wash my hands of everything and walk away. But I kind of turtle stepped in.
3: You didn't wake up one morning that you normally would take them to school and go, oh, by the way, I'm not taking your kids to school today because I'm not showing.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, (laughs) Although I would have liked to.
3: (laughs) Can't just stop everything, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it was it was a process of probably I think it took me about a good week. And there's still a lot of stuff that I'm working on and applying, but it took me a good week to really set the boundaries, which was huge, setting the boundaries. So in our situation, because of my husband's job, I was the one that was responsible for getting, you know, the kids to all their after school activities and doing all the things because I worked from home. And the days that we had my stepdaughter, my boys are older. And so they're you know, getting ready to drive and they have friends driving and so it wasn't it's not as big of a deal. But for her, she's eleven and she can't get places. But the days that we had her and have her are the days that she had all of her extracurricular activities. And this this girl is seriously in so much stuff. And for me, that's really hard because I think it's overwhelming. But it's all the days that we have her because her mom didn't want to have to take her. And so on the days that we have her, I was literally running from after school until eight o'clock at night or until my husband got home taking her places. And it was impacting my business and affecting what I could do. It was starting to overlap into my kids and it was just, it was chaos. And so I started applying the not so method by talking to my husband about it, really putting my boundaries down with work. Like, you know, hey, because I work from home, I am still working. I'm here physically, but I'm not available to do this and I let him know that we we've got to find an alternative and that her mom was home and so there was no reason why she couldn't take her to some of her activities and I let him I put it back on him and I just told him I couldn't do it I, these are my boundaries I have to work and I realized I was putting so much pressure on myself making myself think that I had to do all that stuff and realizing that I didn't, it, it was it was kind of profound. And what I did over a course of a week is just let him know, you know, hey, you've got to make arrangements for this because I'm I'm not available. And he did start working that out. And just by doing that, that was my first the first thing that I did with the not show method, and that just completely shifted things. And it got him to where he was actually stepping in, and he was the one communicating with. Um, my stepdaughter's mother and I let him engage in that and remove myself (laughs) because it's not my problem. I don't need to communicate with her. It's not my job. And so I let him take that over and it was a huge, huge change. And so it's little things like that, learning my own boundaries, releasing the control and letting him deal with it. And I really stepped back from a lot of the stuff. I don't manage the homework. I don't manage um, her self-care. Of course, you know, I I take care of her, make sure she has the things that she needs, but I've stepped back and I'm not the one that hangs over her head and hovers on do your stuff constantly. And I'm not the one that's arguing with her on, you know, when she needs to shower and that she has to shower. I've let him step in now and manage all that. And just that release of conflict, for me has been huge. It's really changed my stress level. And I realized that it really, it shifted with my own bio kids because they were seeing how stressed out I was and the conflict and they were starting to be resentful about our time with her because I was not in a good state and it was affecting them and they were getting protective. And so just by doing like those simple little things, it just it changed our dynamics and our relationships in a big, big way.
3: Now, did your um, husband give you any pushback? Did he just say, okay, I'll start doing everything? Or are you reminding him of stuff?
0: Um, he did give me a little bit of pushback. And honestly, I have not fully laid out exactly like my grand plan of what I'm doing, because I I do believe and knowing my husband that he would interpret it differently. And so I've told him, you know, this, I'm trying this new method. Here's some of the things that I'm doing. And just like I'm turtle stepping the process and applying it myself, I'm turtle stepping kind of involving him in what I'm doing. And so there was a little bit of pushback um, because he was mad and, because I do for my kids. And so I should be doing for her. But in reality, he doesn't do any of the stuff at all. (laughs) So I'm like, you can't, you don't have a say in this because I am their mom. I am their only full-time parent. They don't have another option. I am their mother. They're my children. That is your daughter. She is your child. And she has a mom who lives here. And that is her responsibility and your responsibility. And I will help if you need me to, if there's an issue and you guys can't work it out, I will be like the last case, you know, scenario backup, but this is not my job to do this. And so there was a little pushback there and, you know, there's been pushback with a couple different things, but what's interesting is by me kind of doing the broken record method and just telling it over and over again. And, holding my ground he's starting to take ownership and do it on his own and not even involve me and we just had last week a situation where she had a softball tournament that was in two towns away it was a 45 minute drive it was on a day that my kids had stuff I was also working and he came to me with a solution and just said hey She's got this game. I've already talked to her mom. Her mom can't take her, so I called the coach. The coach is gonna pick her up from our house. Can you just have her stuff ready to go? And that was huge in my world.
3: <laughs> that is awesome. That is really good. And I know um you see it in the groups and stuff, I'm sure, where the other half is pushing back. So hard because they don't want to parent their kids they want to push their responsibility off on somebody and there's right. a difference in helping and taking over or um them just stop being a parent
0: right right and i i, I think it's really empowering for him to do that.
3: it is and when they shift to that then it also i don't know any other way to say this but it makes them more attractive because we hear all the time about women not thinking that their significant others are attractive because they won't even stand up to their kid.
0: Right, right.
3: When in reality, they need to not have expectations of their significant other as to how they should parent, but they should also um be supportive of them in whatever role they choose to be and not judge them because the guilty parent syndrome is real.
0: Right, absolutely. So one of the things too that that I have to mention, which was really hard for me because I, especially in the line of work that I'm in, I am, I, I love systems. I love organization and time management. I, I have to have <laughs> all of that stuff organized and done. And it just makes me feel good. And one of the things I've had to really overcome is that it's okay to let some of that go in regards to her and him, I can still manage my own time, but I can't be responsible for managing theirs. And it has come, I will say, you know, there were just two weeks ago because of what I've done and let him take responsibility, and he's not used to it, and so it's, it's a huge learning curve for him. But we've had two events; we almost missed her band concert because um, his his ex will not communicate with us. She relies on the daughter for a lot of communication. And so she did not let him know what was going on. And those are things that I typically manage and, you know, look forecast ahead of time. But I really tried to let him take that responsibility over because it's his it's his daughter and he needs to step up to the plate. And by me stepping up to the plate for him, that doesn't do anything. So there has been I mean we almost missed a band concert. We his daughter texted us five minutes before it started and asked where we were sitting and we had no idea it was even happening. <laughs> and we also almost missed another thing at school because there is no communication. And I really had to allow it to happen for him to learn, hey, you've got to be proactive. Because when it comes to my my kids, I do forecast, I do get on the school website, I do look at things, but I really needed to let him know, you know, this, there's a lot going on here that you need to be aware of. And I can't manage this for you. You've got to do this. And it was tough and it was hard, but they were big lessons for him to learn too. And it's also in a way kind of validated. Like I do a lot. I was doing a lot. I was doing way too much. And it takes two of us. These are two different sets of kids that need parents. And our role as he's their stepdad is just like mine. Like we're here to support and guide. We're not here to do all the parenting for the kids that are not our own biological children. So it's, it's a learning curve. And there there are going to be things that show up that are kind of hard to swallow, but I think they're necessary for growth.
3: It, that's, that's so true. And you look at nuclear families. They struggle too with kids. A lot of what we see is normal kid behavior, but the stepmoms either don't have kids or their kids are haven't reached that age yet, so it's easier for them to judge because they haven't lived it kind of thing as the parent of a teenager, or you've got the ones on the other end that have the adult, you know, stepkids at this point in time. Right, right. Does your stepdaughter know that you've stepped back from those things? Did she notice it? Did she complain about it? What about your, um the high conflict by
4: a mom?
0: Um, so my stepdaughter has not, I don't think that she's really Noticed, and for me, and what I feel is best, I haven't included her on. Like I have not told her I'm doing this or anything because I don't think she would understand. She has there. There wasn't. I'm. I'm really just saying. Every time she asked me a question, I just say, "Talk to your father. Call your dad. Text your dad. I don't know. Text your dad." And that's how I'm doing it, so that he's involved and I am out of it. There was one situation where um, she needed to have a parent call in and release her of her end of year stuff. And her mother had made it very clear in a very high conflict way (laughs) that I am not allowed to be involved in anything to do with that. And she could not get a hold of her mom and she could not get a hold of her dad. And so she was texting me and I just, I did let her know. I said, you know, I would love to, I wish I could, but I'm not. I can't remember exactly how I said it. I'm not able to at the school or however I worded it to do that. You will have to wait. You'll have to wait to get a hold of your mom and dad. I'm sorry. And she said, that's okay. She wishes that I was, uh, I think it was authorized or something is what I said to her. And that was really the only thing I think that she's kind of noticed. She has, you know, that the conflict though, between all the dynamics has been hard. She is aware that there is a lot of conflict with her mother because her mom includes her in group text messages where she berates me and does different things so she's very aware of it and I've just let her know that I just I'm not engaging like I'm just not engaging myself I'm not communicating so she does know that part but that's about it do you communicate with bio mom not anymore Nope. um I went through a really I went through a really rough couple months with her where it was nonstop. And I finally, I felt really guilty about not having communication in case there was an emergency or something just because of the dynamics of my husband's job and him not being able to be located and talk to us, you know, for long stretches of time. But at this point, because it was so high conflict and it was so volatile, I have blocked her on my phone. She can, I figure if there's an emergency here the school, does know that I'm available and they know how to contact me if they needed to, but I have completely cut off communication with her. I will not engage anymore because it is, it wasn't doing any good. It was really awful and constant. And so I just don't engage. And I've also had to disengage my, I've disengaged myself from having my husband talk about it because she, now that she's not able to access me, She is and was, it's not as bad. I will say it's not been as bad the last couple of weeks, Um, but she, now it's like all the fuel is going back to him. So there's a lot of conflict. I have never seen this much conflict between them in the entire time we've been together. And I feel like part of that is because she can't access me anymore. So he's having to manage it and trying to put up boundaries there.
3: He'll figure it out. They'll figure it
4: out. They have to.
0: Right, right. They do. They do. And there's a lot of, you know, stuff with just our custody agreement that has to be modified to fix what is currently going on and all that stuff. And, and there is a lot of conflict with all of it. And again, it's not, it's not my deal. <laughs> it's not, it's not my problem. And so I can't, I can't fix it for them. And so I've decided to just, away because it is between them and they've got to figure it out.
3: How quickly did you notice changes once you started not showing?
0: Oh, within the first couple of days of after a first full week, there was a big change, a big change. I- It's amazing. I was blown away. I really was. I noticed the change first with myself, like the inner peace that happened when I really just let it go. Yes. And I just felt good. But- I'm not I wasn't nagging my husband. I feel like I was nagging him a lot about stuff. And maybe nagging is not the best word, but it's probably to him it felt like a lot of nagging because it was like the second I talked to him or could talk to him, there was just all this drama. And that's all that was being said to him was all the crazy stuff. And she's gotta do this, she's gotta do that, she hasn't done this, this happened. Her mom called, here's what's going on here. And so we really Weren't even talking to each other about anything other than that, and that was really sad and really difficult. And within a few days of applying some of this, like we started talking about other stuff, and, like engaging in normal conversations, and so that was a really big deal. It is definitely, it it really helped our marriage on all levels. Like we are reconnecting again we are doing stuff together and not talking about the kids and it's been huge it, it, it's really been a big difference
3: it truly is life-changing and I learned so much through my not showing process and you know you may choose to re-engage with her at some point and be more paternal with her or maternal I guess would be the proper word but right now you don't have to, and you don't, may not ever want to.
0: Right. You know, and, and it's funny because we, when we had her in the summer, it was, it was great. And I really had this, it was almost kind of like fairy book, you know, fairy tale-ish relationship with her. That w- It was really good because I had that concentrated time and we didn't have to deal with all the other outside influences. And so I would love to, at some point, re-engage more with her. and. And I think that will happen, but now is not the time. And I'll tell you though, that, you know, after a month of being here with all the chaos, it definitely took a huge toll on our relationship and it made her super uncomfortable because there's so much negativity and so much talk going on about me in front of her that she was resentful to me. She was mad at me. She was trying to decipher, you know, who she's supposed to be loyal to, which is so unfair for a kid. It's just, it's ridiculous. And so I feel like, you know, once the storm kind of calms, and we get our systems back in place, and our relationship kind of realigned within our own individual selves, I think that that's definitely something that could happen. And I would like for that to happen. And so I think that is a a possibility. And I'm not completely disengaged from her either. You know, there are still things that I do, but there is a lot that I don't. And it's been good for her, though, too. I, I think it's been good for her.
4: You do the things you want to do.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I do. And, you know. and that's
3: key. We should do the things that we want to do and don't do things you don't want to do unless you are trying to help your significant other out of a bind. Or, I mean, we always have to do something we don't really want to do. But for the most part, when it comes to these kids, they're not our responsibility we don't have to entertain them. We don't have to do anything for them. They have parents for that.
0: Right. Absolutely. And it is, it's so freeing, like truly, it's, really, it, it's such a freeing process when we, we see that we can do that, that we can still be a step parent. We can still be a good step parent, but we don't have to be all the things. We can do the things that we want to do, and that's huge. Because when we do the things that we don't want to do, we're going to be angry and resentful anyway, and so that just adds to the chaos, especially if there's a high conflict situation. And so, being able to really let that go, and like you said, do the things you want to do, it's it it just is huge. It's a big big deal.
3: Right. It is. Did your uh, significant other notice a change?
0: He hasn't come out and said that he's noticed a change. (laughs) He's not a big he's not a big talker when it comes to the stuff, which is something that, you know, which has made it complicated to deal through all this because I don't think he has won the tools to deal with it and he doesn't know how to. But he so without him saying a whole lot, he's just been happier and more Mm -hmm. involved as a father to her anyway. And so I take that is, I think he's recognized the things. He's also recognized that she does way too much stuff as far as activities and things like that. And he has put his foot down. So I think it's been eye-opening for him on lots of fronts, but he hasn't come out and voiced that. But I don't think he needs to. <laughs>
4: this is
3: awesome because you, you, you get it. You've seen it. You've experienced it, how it can change things. And a lot of it is working on ourselves, looking at things differently, realizing letting go of control is not a bad thing, realizing what our purpose needs to be versus what people think it should be and right. you're you're reaping the benefits of it already, which is great that is so great right. now let me ask you this you moved how long ago did you say five months ago? Yeah, and you started nachoing about a month ago.
0: I think it's been about a month. Yeah,
3: you are a very smart lady for looking for help so quickly and not waiting for a year down the road to where you have built all this resentment and anger and hurt, and the stepdaughters built the same thing, and your husband's built the same thing. I'm so happy for you.
0: Thank you. I'm I'm really happy too. And you know, I have to say when when I did find you guys and find the academy it was it was really a make or break moment i was giving myself a month <laughs> i was going to give myself a month to try and figure out you know if i could stay in this marriage because it was that bad i wasn't sure if i could keep doing this on so many different levels because of the conflict and the stress and it was like one of those moments where you're up at night you know Googling <laughs> at like three in the morning, how am I going to save my marriage? How am I going to make this work with stepkids? kids? And I found you guys and it was, it was huge. And I'm very, very grateful for all that you do and your community. It's It's been a huge game changer for my marriage and my family.
3: I'm so glad because that's why we do it. It just makes me happy though. And I'm glad that at two o'clock in the morning, you somehow found us. I don't know what you were Googling. <laughs> We had another lady that just joined the academy that we talked to yesterday on our Q&A coaching call. And she said the same thing. She was up at two, three o'clock in the morning and just did not w- know what to do. Teetering on, should I leave? Should I stay? Should I just pack my stuff and go? She's got a baby. And um I'm really glad and we're blessed that people find us when they desperately need us.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's powerful stuff. It really, really is. And truly, I feel that when you, when you really do apply the stuff, it works. It really, really Mm -hmm. does. And it's a matter of, you know, releasing your own control issues and your own fear. And I think where I was at, I was just at, you know, when you're at rock bottom, you can't get, you can't get any worse. (laughs) and, And that's where I was. And I hope that other people, Find this when they aren't at rock bottom because it didn't didn't have, if I would have known what I know now, it would have never gotten to where it was and where it did. And so I really, I'm really excited and passionate about this and the academy and the nacho method because it worked so well.
3: It's sad that the rock bottom is where we were when it saved us too. But I also think that a lot of people don't realize how bad things are until they get to that point to really look for help.
1: Yeah,
0: I would agree with that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, you
0: don't look for help when things are going good. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't. That yeah. is, is true. <laughs> well,
3: and, and it's not easy. It, um, I think a lot of people struggle with learning to keep their mouth shut and not interjecting and all that stuff. And maybe because i think a lot of these people are type A personality people that we Mm -hmm. seem to deal with um, because we do want more control and be seen, heard, recognized, whatever, as a type A. Right. And it's hard for some people to let go of things and not interject. And so it's hard. And they don't want to put the effort into changing because they don't think that they need to change. They don't think that they're the problem. And it's not that being the problem is a bad thing. As David always says, the good thing is if you're the problem you can fix that.
0: Right, I love that.
3: Yeah, the bad thing is if you're not the problem you can't fix it.
0: Right, right. You know, and I think for myself and probably for a lot of other people in this situation, we get a little off track because we we have this need to be right and validated with our feelings. We so desperately want the validation and what happens I think, especially in the beginning when I started applying it, because they're, you know, the first little bit, and I'm still navigating it, it's, it's tough and you, you do get pushback from all places. But it was learning to separate like my whole self, like my value is not on the line when I'm doing this. And so just because you don't agree with me and my opinion doesn't mean that you don't like me or I'm wrong or I'm bad. It's just the situation. And so learning that was really important in applying that because I had this need to be right. Well, if you you don't agree with what I'm saying, then that means that I'm not good enough or I'm not doing my job as a step parent. I'm not doing what's supposed to be done. And I really attacked myself and felt even more. So the need to argue to prove my point so that I would be right. Because if I'm not right, then everything that I was doing was bad. And when I kind of learned to drop that and, get back in tune with my core and knowing that my value is not on the line it was okay and it is okay to throw things out there and release that control and not be okay and not be right and not be validated because it has nothing to do with my value and so I think that's another important thing to keep in mind is that these these are rough waters they are hard to navigate blended families are super difficult and we are still whole amazing people and we don't need all this other stuff to make us more right or to make us good enough. We're already complete. And when I took a step back and kind of reconfirmed that for myself, when there are disagreements or things that happen, it doesn't affect my course. It doesn't impact my self-esteem. And so learning to detach from that was really helpful in making it more successful to apply the methods. So I think that's an important
3: little thing to keep in mind. It's hard for some people. It's harder than others to learn how to utilize the tools to do those things. And I think your background adds a lot to your being able to do this so quickly also.
0: Yes, I think so too. And I am grateful for that, absolutely. And you know, I think, and for anybody that's listening or anybody that's applying this, it's gonna be different for everybody. Some people might see results in a couple of days. Some people might not see results for a couple of weeks or maybe a month. But if you keep at it, you will see results Shift just because the capacity in your mind when you let things go feels better and it does work. And so everybody's journey is going to look different, but it, it really does work. It will change things. You just have to stay the course.
3: Yeah. Like I said, it took me uh, uh, basically a full year of disengaging before I was ready to reengage with the step kids because we had to all heal from the hurt and the resentment and the pain. And thankfully, you did not have to go through all that you, you know, reached out for help. Yeah. I guess you got to your breaking point before most of I us do. And <laughs> you're like, okay, this is enough. You know, you're three months in and the rest of us are two years in going, oh, well, maybe I <laughs> right. should look for help. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Things don't seem to be going so good. All right, let's see. Um, <laughs> we try, we try. That's we all do. you can do. We all have to do the best that we can. And we have to laugh about things and, you know, nacho kids in itself is funny. If you ask me, it made us laugh that day to where it opened our eyes to a lot of things that resulted in a lot of us being able to help a lot of people too. And so yep. nacho kids, you know, it's funny. I think it's funny. They are nacho kids.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it works for a lot of different things.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> It cracks me up, though. Um, Once people learn about the Nacho Kids method, they never look at nachos the
0: same. Right? (laughs) We just went out a couple days ago, and I ordered nachos, and I just had this silent comedic relief inside my head because it it means so much more to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It does. It's like, man, these things changed my life. They're awesome. Well, it has been great talking to you. I think we need to get into the lightning round. Sounds great. The lightning challenge questions or whatever David calls them. I miss David when he's not here. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I'll leave that part in this recording. <laughs> yeah, give him a little kudos before he gets back and aggravates me. <laughs> All right, Patty. So what has been the hardest part of blending for you?
0: The hardest part of blending has probably been trying to navigate what is my my expectations probably on what it's going to look like what my kids involvement with my husband will be and the role that I'll have with his daughter and dealing with just the expectations and the roles there I think that's the hardest part
4: yeah
3: it is it is it's hard it is definitely hard but things can get better as we know Yep. And what's the best advice you ever received about blending?
0: That it's not, if it's not your kid, it's not your problem. Like, honestly, (laughs) I know it sounds so funny, but, but really not showing it, not taking the responsibility on for all the things and that it doesn't have to look like the Brady Bunch. And I think it was on a a conference call that you guys had a question, a live question and answer, and we talked, learning that you know, hey, every family looks different; doesn't have to look perfect. You can still be a good stepmom and not do all the different things that you think you should be doing. I think that was really important.
3: Right, it's true, girl. I am an awesome stepmom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: because I not
3: and they'll tell you that the ones that will get on video with us. Uh, I've mentioned it before. We've got a couple of videos that we did with one of the triplets mm-hmm. and uh, a podcast too. So I'm excited about sharing those. And be like, look, you know, it really doesn't torture your kid or anything.
0: <laughs> right, right.
3: It's a good thing. You said it. You said, not your kids, not your problem. And I think when you say that, people take that as going, they ain't my kids. I don't care. Or right. just throwing your hand up kind of thing. And that's not it. It's more of, not your kids, not your responsibility.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And like, honestly, I, I do really deeply have love for my stepdaughter. I would do all kinds of things for her, but it is not my responsibility to take on all of those other things. And that's very freeing to look at, you know, that I can do what I want to do. The other stuff is not my problem. It's not my job to, you know, quote unquote, parent her 24 seven, she has two parents. I'm more of a support role. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm more like, I'm here, I'm, I'm a supportive role. I'm not the parent role. It's not my job. And I think that's very freeing.
3: Right. And it also, it gives you the opportunity to build a relationship with her and to bond with her.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Whereas in, yeah, 10 years from now, she may come to you and say, hey, um, I want you to help me plan my wedding. I mean, you never know. I'm sure there'll still be uh a mom loyalty issues then, too. But, you know,
0: <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and being able to get to a space where I'm OK with all that, too. Like, I don't have to, to be all those things. And I'm not going to have hurt feelings if I'm not, you know, I, I'm I'm. Hoping to get to a point where we do have a really rock solid relationship, and we can build into that, and and I can support her, and I want her to know that I'm always here for support. You know, I got you if you need me, but you got to ask me because I'm not going to insert myself.
3: Right, girl, you are kicking butt with this stuff. (laughs) All right, if you could travel back in time, knowing what you know now, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself about blending?
0: To probably step back and not try and control things, to allow the children the space to assimilate in a way that's more natural and comfortable, of course, with guidance, but let them do it and let my, my husband take on the role that he needed to take on in the beginning. Let him sort it out, let him plan, let him figure out arrangements, let him figure out all the things and let him figure out the dynamics with his ex because that's all stuff that he has to do anyway. And I wish I would have done that in the beginning, just taken a step back.
3: You know, I'm thinking that probably a good way that we can phrase that to people is to stay in the dating mode in relation to the kids. Yeah. Just because you married their dad doesn't mean that the dating mode for them ended.
0: Right. That's a great way to look at it because it's so true. It's, you know, when we were dating, (laughs) I was, you know, he still had to go take care of the things. He had to make the lunches, get her to school, get her to her practices, communicate with his ex. None of that was my job. And we all got along just great. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. for some reason, I internalized it when we got married. Oh, now it's all my job. I'm just going to start doing all that, which is ridiculous. And it doesn't work. And I think That's the perfect way to do it go back to the dating phase, what it was like then.
3: And it never fails that most stepmoms go in as gung-ho stepmom. They want to take over. They want that control. They want to set the foundation for the house themselves and, you know, create the order and take care of everybody. It's in our nature. And then before you know it, everybody's mad at everybody because that's really not your God-given role yet. you That's not your parental role as the stepmom. You can't force that bond where coming in and doing those things isn't looked at negative. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, come in like a drill sergeant. (laughs) You will be in bed by 730 p.m. (laughs) You will eat breakfast between 705 a.m. and 708 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how I came in. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think for me, too, I run a pretty tight, tight ship. i had been a single mom for years and years and years running a household by myself with two boys. (laughs) And we had it down. And then you enter in two other people into your space, one being a child. And yeah, I'm and a girl. Yes, total different dynamics. And I just wanted to take I I took it on. And I took on a lot of stuff that wasn't mine to take on. And yeah, it it doesn't work. Eventually, it blows up in your face. (laughs) Sometimes sooner rather than later, but it'll blow up. And it blew up in mine, you know, when we moved here and had her started the 5050. It blew up in my face, and so I wish I could have. I wish I could have woulda <laughs> been able to do it differently.
3: Wish you coulda woulda.
0: <laughs>
3: well, and even you know, even if you would have known about not showing then, you may not have thought it was something that was necessary because you weren't struggling.
0: Right, right. I do think that it presents a different, you know, issue there because we weren't we were not struggling before. I mean, of course, we've had some of our things as everybody does, but it wasn't a struggle. And all of a sudden I find myself, you know, years down the line and now everything's different, a whole different new dynamic. And the rug got pulled out from underneath me and it was crazy. Because that is not what you signed up for, girl. It is not. Absolutely not. (laughs) But here I am. (laughs) And now I have a a different rug.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You got one of those Houdini rugs or magic carpets.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
3: You're just nacho-ing everybody floating above the chaos on your little magic carpet. Absolutely. Eating your nachos. Oh, I can picture it now.
0: So true. So true.
3: All right. Let's see. The last question is, what is one thing you would tell others who are facing the same challenges in blending that you are or have?
0: To that it's okay, step back, and to self-care. I think self-care is huge When you're dealing with this, you know, taking the time to find self-care and pleasure, that's super important to nurture yourself so that you can be in the right mindset to handle all the things and that it's okay to, it's okay to let go. Like you, you absolutely do not have to do all of the things that are not what you want to be doing. You can say no, you can have boundaries and it's okay to honor those boundaries.
3: Right, and it's okay to not love those stepkids like your own.
0: Yes, that's a big one. You know, I that was hard for me because I'm like, oh, I've got this person, and I do, I love her, but I don't love her like my own, and I never will love her like my own, and that's okay. That that is okay. And
3: it's reality; she's not yours. Why should you be expected to love her like she is yours? Yes,
0: it's so true, and I think there's a lot of guilt, especially the mom guilt. I think plays. A big role in this because it's what we feel like society wants us to do. It's what's what's socially acceptable. We have to love our stepkids like our own, and our partners Mm -hmm. sometimes have those expectations, but it's just not true. I know that my husband doesn't love my boys like his own, and he shouldn't, and he's not going to, and and they're okay with it. They're older, you know, and they probably, in their own way, not that they've ever been told that, but I'm sure in their own way they know that too, and they don't love him. Mm So why are we forcing all this stuff when it's not necessary? And I think just knowing that is it's huge. You do not have to love your stepkids like your own. It's just not gonna happen. It's not natural. But it doesn't mean that you aren't gonna love them. You know, maybe maybe for some you're not you're just gonna have a a friendship and a like and that's okay. It really is okay.
3: Or a toleration. Yes. Yeah. Whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just, you know, whatever the relationship looks like it's all okay. It doesn't have to be a certain way. It's going to be unique and okay for, every, for everybody in their own in their own way.
3: I find it interesting that people will say, you know, you should love the stepkids like your own, and then with the stepkids, it's normal for them to have the evil stepmom vantage point, and people will say, well, they're kids. Okay. Well, kids are easier Mm -hmm. to love people than adults are. It's easy. Well, it's easier for kids to love people than it is for adults to love people for the most part. Right. And you've got these kids and it's like I said, it's okay if they come out and say, Oh, well, my stepmom's the most evil witch I've ever met. But if we say, I don't like my stepkids, they get ready to hunt you down and burn you.
0: Oh, I know it. (laughs) So true. And again though it's and I feel like it's just a story that we've bought into that society has told and created and none of it's accurate. Like it's really not. It's not. And it's no. it's just the story we've told ourselves. And so we can tell ourselves a different story. We can change that story.
3: Yes. You know, that's one of the things. I don't know if you've ran across this in the Academy. Um, with the twenty eight days to change your thinking that we did in February. Yes. The mind, girl, it amazes me. I think you and I have talked about this before. Yes. The number of thoughts you have and how you can convince yourself that you climbed Mount Everest (laughs) and never physically have done it. And I think I've told you, I'm trying to think myself exercising (laughs) a couple of times a day to see if that helps tone up my body any. But with the ADD, it kind of kicks me into... Oh, I'm gonna pretend I'm riding a bike in my head to oh, squirrel, ant, bird,
0: whatever. <laughs> yep. Our mind is super powerful.
3: <laughs> it is. It's amazing. It just, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I love doing that challenge. It just um it really got my mind working, I guess, on how negative we are, how we automatically have this negative thought process. We can change that. We can Change the way that um, we understand things, we can take bad images that we see in our head and replace them with good images to not um, cause the same emotional reaction when those images pop in your head yeah, it's crazy
0: yeah it's it's super powerful and that and that's the beauty of it though too is we it is so powerful and we can override all of the things that we want to change. we can shift the negative, we can change the different things we can't ever change our actual physical circumstance but we can change the way that we think about it and when we do that everything changes and we have that control and that power
3: and how you let it affect you if I could get all the time back that I spent mad about dishes <laughs> I probably have a, w- a g- good month yeah <laughs> I'm guessing yeah we have to work on that um <laughs> not just in step families but just as people try to find the positive in things you're not going to find the positive stare you know looking for the negative for sure right exactly exactly well again we are very excited to have had you as a guest on our podcast and since you're new into the nacho kids um thing then maybe we can plan on doing an update with you and I don't know, six months to a year or so to see how things are going?
0: Absolutely. I would love that. I think that would be great. I look forward to that. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And again, I'm in so much gratitude for, for you guys because you really have, you, you changed the dynamics and the direction of my marriage with your principles and methods. So I really have a lot of gratitude and very, very thankful for you guys.
3: Oh, that's so sweet. You're so very welcome. And thank yourself, girl. Pat yourself on the back because you're doing the work. And we know that's harder than it seems sometimes.
0: It is. Thank you. And it's great. It, it One of the best things, I think, is knowing that there is a community where other people are going through the same steps so you're not alone. And that feels really good. So thank you for everything you've created. Really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. We, um,
3: we've learned that Facebook is not the best way for us to try to teach our method when we've got 4,000 people trying to tell us that we're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the Academy definitely yeah. has its benefits. And I'm so glad that you joined it instead of just joining a Facebook group and trying to piece it together yourself because you learned straight off the bat how to do it properly. There's um, no changing the bad habits that you thought were actually a good thing to do to step back,
0: you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, the Facebook group is is there you know and it's it's great but if you really want the change and you want to know how to do things properly and not have all the influence of all the other stuff going on with everybody then the cast the group yeah that's where you want to be is in the group space for sure yeah and, and
3: we like it there i do i think it's pretty nice myself but you know i'm a little partial to it <laughs> but thank you again patty for being on our podcast and we look forward to talking to you soon and. Learning how your journey has gone.
0: Great. sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 David, you did great during that interview with Patty. I know. I was so quiet
2: and well-behaved.
3: I know. What happened It's <laughs> It was to almost you. like I wasn't there. I know. I was shocked. I'm so proud of you.
2: Look, I can't be in every interview.
3: I know. <laughs> Sometimes the world has to go on without you.
2: Yeah. As crazy as that sounds. I know. All right. So you ready for my tactful recommendations?
3: I want to give my tactful recommendation first. All right. Okay. So let's pretend that I want to go to a, I don't know, a pampered chef party. (laughs) Okay. And I've got little Jackson and it's my weekend with him. You know, he's not at his dad's that weekend. That's a better way to say that. And I come to you and I say, here's the tactful way, y'all. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. My dearest David, of which my love hangs upon your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Will you please watcheth my child while I go to the pepper shift party to buy stuff to cook for you, my loved one?
2: Okay, you had me until you said cook for me.
3: (laughs) I know. You could tell it it didn't even come out of my throat right. It It was like, cook. Okay. No. See, see, it probably don't, don't work for me, y'all. Okay. If David. he was going
2: to the lingerie party, I might say, yeah, that's cool.
3: Now you, now you see why I didn't miss David during this interview. <laughs> he distracts us way too much, folks. <laughs> and he says, I'm the squirrel.
2: All right. So, what I would suggest is
3: wait a minute. How'd you like that? Love hangeth upon your heart.
2: Yeah. I don't know about well, all that. Is that pretty good? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: <laughs> okay. I've been watching some old whatever. I don't know. So what I would suggest is, first of all, don't wait until somebody asks you before you decide to say no. Huh? Don't wait until somebody asks you before you decide to say no.
3: Okay. I'm following.
2: Okay. So have that conversation before something comes up. Because if you come to me and, or excuse me, if I come to you and, I, and I'm, can you watch my kid? blah 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 i'm running somewhere well let's let's assume that i don't have a lot of time like maybe i'm running to the store or i got to make a decision to go somewhere in an hour or something like that if that happens then i mean now you've put a lot of stress on the situation and the problems that that causes now comes back on you so have that conversation when when the answer is not going to Determine anything, okay? Okay. So instead of having to say, instead of me having to ask you and then you saying no, have the conversation beforehand
3: and say, David, hypothetically, if somebody invites me to a pamper chef party in six months and it's a weekend that I got little Jackson, would you watch him?
2: Well, what I'm saying is, (laughs) (laughs) what I'm saying is, if you if you're wanting to tell your spouse no or sniffing other. If you're wanting to say, no, I can't do this, um, I don't feel comfortable doing this, and have that conversation beforehand. Have the conversation of, look, I, I, I don't feel comfortable watching your kid or kids. Uh, it causes me stress, whatever. Whatever you want to do, but have that conversation beforehand so that they know not to even come to you and ask those questions.
3: Okay. So, well, say that that conversation hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And they're two years in, and they just remembered that their cousin's throwing a pampered chef party, and she has to have so many people come to get a surprise. And she had already committed to it, but she forgot to ask because, shoot, y'all might not have even been dating then. Or <laughs> married. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Well, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, it's so it's situational, right? Right. I mean, it's a fact-specific determination. So okay. how does how does it make you feel – how bad is it going to be? I mean, if it's just, hey, I don't want to keep the kid because, you know, I don't really like the kid. Or is it because I don't want to keep the kid because, you know, he or she has said things about me that's not true and has gotten child services involved. And I mean, that's kind of a crazy situation, which happens often. If it's that bad, then, you know, sure, stand your ground, put your feet down, draw your line in the sand, whatever you going to call it. Say, no, I'm just not doing it. But if you can avoid that, it's best to set those boundaries when there's not a decision to be made. Set the boundaries beforehand. I'm saying if you're going to say no, then you have to say no tactfully. You have to do it in a way that explains why you're saying no. And not just, no, I'm not watching your kid. Or you, you also can't really do it in a way that, makes you look selfish either that's why doing it in advance is so much better but if you have to do it then find a way to do it that's so true. if it were me and the poss- and the possibility is there if it were me i would probably if you came to me and you said can you watch him and i didn't want to i would probably go ahead and do it that time because i don't want to i don't want that moment to be when we start having this conversation so i would watch him and then after that i would say okay I, we need to talk about this." You know, I I watched him today, and i I have to tell you that, you know, I'm not comfortable doing that, and this is why or whatever. But I would watch him at that moment or, or for that one time, and then have that be the kind of the jump off for the for having the conversation.
3: So uh, let's talk a little bit about what we just talked about.
2: <laughs> about your interview, yeah. all right? Yeah, with Patty.
3: Yes, she went through a lot, going from a summer visitation stepmother role to a fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Not only fifty fifty. But remember, the same small town sharing the piggly wiggly cart at the store.
2: Well, she also has that challenge of working from home, and we hear this from parents who have those jobs where they work from home because the other uh, person in the relationship will often assume that, well, you're home all day. Why can't you watch the kids? Or why can't you go pick them up from school? Or why can't you take them to school? Or there's all these things that come up, and uh, you know, even when I work from home. You know, sometimes we had to have conversations about, you know, let's remind Jackson that just because I'm here doesn't mean that I can, you know, walk away and help him do things and, you know. Cor- oh,
3: remember with your kids? Mm-hmm. Um, the oh, first yeah. summer you were working from home? My God, they had your whole summer planned out. You was taking them to Carowinds one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When I, you know, because I, I got to the point where it's like I can't work from home because when I'm here, everybody thinks you can just jump up and go do whatever. You know, come and help me do this. Come and help me do that. Come Take check this out. Take me to the out.
3: movies. Take me. Yeah, down.
2: run me across town. Run, to, dude. I'm working. Mm-hmm. And so those people who work from home, I mean, there's there's a lot of distractions happening. So be mindful of that. If you know, if you have somebody in your family working from home, you have to be, you have to assume that, or treat them like they're working somewhere else. Just mm-hmm. because their home doesn't mean they have all that um, right. flexibility just to drop things and and go do stuff.
3: And then we talked about step kid and bio kid interaction, bullying versus bonding.
2: That's a, that's a hard one.
3: That's a big one. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we've released that course in the academy yet, but it's definitely something that a lot of blended families go through. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the stepmoms have more of an issue with it, of course, than the stepdads.
2: Oh, yeah, you did. You know, because yeah. I'm like, let him get beat up. It's okay. He's
3: five years younger than your ninja <laughs> fighting crackhead kids. <laughs> They'd have him in a headlock saying, I'm just choking him out like daddy did that guy at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a, all.
2: That's the story. So anyway, um no, they weren't uh they weren't beating on him, but they were I mean they were rough with each other. And so he would jump in on that. And you know he would. It wasn't like they would grabbed him and dragged him into it.
3: I know, he- y'all. It was the sweetest thing. David would be wrestling with the brothers. And, you know, figure at this time, the brothers are ten, 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 eleven, 10, mm-hmm. 10, And David's still as big as all them put together. Because they're little tiny things. But they're like a little bunch of ants. Like jumping all over the place. <laughs> oh, no, they like the Mexican jumping beans. That's what they were. <laughs> and then you'd see Jackson, his little tiny self. And he'd just jump right in on the top. Mm-hmm. He, he did, was not afraid. No. And it scared me to death.
2: No, and, and I know they're rough-housed. they are rough roughhouse. They rough housed each other a lot. I know, and I mean, even sometimes when they were fighting amongst themselves, it would upset you. And I'm like, it's okay.
3: Yeah, but there was a difference with some of the housing and some of the fighting because I know that they can fight. They can't. It's not normal kid fighting. It's my daddy did all this kabuki <laughs> stuff. <laughs>
4: what are
3: you I
2: talking about?
4: Fighting
3: ching, ching, stuff. <laughs> Uh, okay. What is, what is it? Martial arts. There we go. There we go. All right. Let's so, get off but this
2: Anyway, there's a thin line because even when you're, even when you have bio kids, they, sometimes they're mean as crap to each other.
3: Man, that's a whole podcast episode telling you about my sister. We all she did to me to torture yeah. me. Well,
2: maybe we'll do that, do an entire podcast on it. But
3: not my sister torture me. Nobody wants to hear that crap. No, Except but maybe just talk about she the topic. Made me pee in my pants. That's um, funny. <laughs> All right, so, so, y'all ready to move on to the next thing? Patty has learned to let go of control, stepping back, so the bio dad can step up. Mm-hmm. She really grasped what we taught her in the academy, like, quickly, which always um, makes me happy, because then they see the instantaneous rewards of it, basically.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: She did good.
3: hmm Nacho Ring reduced her stress. We tell y'all people this stuff works. Yeah. It's like calmness in a chip.
2: In a chip. It's a zen a, chip.
3: Uh-huh. It's a zen chip. It's a zen chip. Hey, that's a good idea. I like that. The zen chip. Don't you like that? Yeah, it'd be great. Okay. So remember in the words, the wise words of Patty and Nacho Kids. You nacho the things you need to, and engage in the things you want to. Make your life happy, people. Happy, I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just don't worry. Don't worry. Y'all want me to sing that song for you? No, we
2: don't want you to sing.
3: Yeah, you yeah, probably don't. We
2: really don't want you to sing.
3: I like that song. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Don't worry. Oh my
2: gosh. Be
3: happy. All right,
2: that's it, folks. Don't worry, be happy. Thanks for listening to today's that- episode. We'll be back next Friday. Until the end, peace out. Don't worry.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Be happy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.